0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember. You are love.
1: It really is our an honor, and um, we just welcome you guys, and we thank you for being here, and. Um, if uh, seeds planted in, in one person's life, then we know it's it's a job well done. So we're excited to hear and um, just to um, um, see what it is that you guys are doing. And, and even if one person says, man, I want to just spread the news about what's going on or get involved, then that's good. So we just thank you guys for being here. So I'm going to ask Sonia to come up and, and share a little bit more. And from there, take it over. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Pastor Figo. Um, Rigo. Rigo Figo. Sorry there. Figaro. Figaro. Sorry. Um, especially to give up Wednesday night service for this. We really appreciate it. Okay, so as as he said, my name is Sonia Rader. I'm the events coordinator for Miami Youth for Christ for both um, Miami-Dade and for um, our, we're now in Fort Lauderdale. And... Um, It was only a few years ago that I came to know what Youth of Christ was about. I didn't even know Youth of Christ existed, to be honest with you. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Youth of Christ, but I attend Trinity International University, and it was through them that I got a scholarship from Youth of Christ. And because of that scholarship, I was required to give five hours um, a week um, internship. So I used to go into the office, and I used to do paperwork and stuff like that. And every week I would hear this, well, all the missionaries, but specifically one of them, April, who is actually a part of campus life. And she would come in and she would tell stories about the kids and she would give praise reports and... She was just always so excited, and everybody in the office would be so excited that's around her, and she'd share the story. And it was so. I'm sitting there, right, and I'm like, I've never been exposed to anything like this at all. I'm just like, I've only been exposed to church. I didn't know anything like this existed. So, not that I wasn't enjoying myself in the office or anything, but I said to her one day, "Could I go with you to one of the schools because?" I don't want to hear about it anymore. I actually want to see it. I want to, I want to taste it firsthand because what you guys do, just, it just sounds so awesome. So she said, sure, you can come with me. So I went with her to Coral Park. And I used to help with the snacks. And then I got a little more, my feet wet. And then I would help with the Bible study and little by little. But what fascinated me about what they did was I was just like blown away by how the staff, how they built relationships with the kids. Because these kids would come from all different backgrounds and they have all their issues, you know, with their parents, with their boyfriends, their girlfriends, their friends at school, and they have attitudes, and some of them are sweet, some of them are not so sweet, and somehow the staff would just know how to get to them. I mean, there was a part of it I totally didn't relate to, like when they would play some really gross games, like I mean gross games and but the kids loved it that's what you have to do right i mean i remember one day they went and they bought mcdonald's happy meals and they blended it all up and the kids would eat it and then i mean i'm not it was really gross but they would love it and that is what would open the door for the kids to actually build their trust because they they became their plate, like their friends and so after that we would have bible study time and then they would sit down and these kids would open up their hearts and they would tell heartbreaking stories, their struggles and all of that, things that they wouldn't share with their own family, their parents. And that was what really drew me in, you know, to see how the staff had the ability. It's definitely a gift to be able to, to you know, to talk to kids like that. and. So it is actually because of that why, when I first went to Trinity actually, I went to have a, a major in psychology and I switched to Christian ministry because of Youth for Christ. You know, just being there I said, oh my gosh, I wanna be a part of this. I want my life to mean something. I want when I go to work that I feel like I'm really contributing something. And um, that's really why um, I changed it and I'm now in Christian ministry. So this evening you're gonna hear a few stories. You're gonna hear it from staff and you're gonna hear from people who have been impacted by our ministry. But before we do that, I just want to give you a little background on Youth for Christ, about our local ministry, and also just our vision that we have for the near future. So Youth for Christ is a non-denominational missions organization. We were actually founded in 1944 with Billy Graham. We're now in 100, we have 100 chapters um, across the United States and around the world. And Miami Youth for Christ actually celebrated its 70th anniversary last year. So what drives our passion for the mission? I can honestly tell you that the staff at Youth for Christ, they are really driven. I mean, they love what they do. They come in and they—they. They t- it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. Even the people behind the scenes like me who I do the events and... People in the office, we thrive on those stories when they share their stories with us. Like at staff meeting, we eat it up and gobble it up. And and then you see the staff so excited about what they do, but what really drives them? Um, you know, every year we see thousands of kids, thousands of young people slip through our fingers and they have no idea that there's a God that loves them. We see suicide on the rise. We know what just happened with, um, at Marjory Stoneman Douglas the other day, and it's all over kids have lost their hope they just they have no hope and they honestly don't think that they have any value and that heartbreaking reality is one of the reasons one of the things that drives our passion we exist so that every youth can hear and have an opportunity to hear that there is a jesus that loves them that died for them to give them meaning to their lives and to develop a life-changing relationship with jesus We have four different ministries through which we reach kids. First, we have our Juvenile Justice Program, which works with high-risk youth that have encountered um, the juvenile justice system. We also have Campus Life Clubs, of which Chris is a part of, that reaches students in middle and high school campuses. Right now, we serve over 1,000 students each week in this ministry alone. Our City Life Kicks Program serves youth in under-resourced neighborhoods. Our Catalyst Hip-Hop Program ministers to youth in the hip-hop culture. You're going to hear a bit about that, too, tonight. And lastly, we also sponsor the Multiply Youth Leadership Initiative, known as Miley, that seeks to reproduce our efforts through the training and resourcing of church youth workers. The youth population in Miami is a massive mission field, I'm sure you'll agree with that, and it is growing. And so our work is important with the youth because obviously we want to give them a hope for their future. Miami-Dade is the fourth largest school district in the country with over 120 high schools and middle schools. And in those schools, we have about 254,000 youth between the ages of 11 and 19, which is the population that we serve. The last census records tell us that 40% of our young people in Miami alone are growing in a single-parent household. You know, our staff tells us that one of the things that they have discovered with the kids that they struggle with most is that they do not have a positive adult involvement in their life in any way. Whether or not they come from a two-parent household, one-parent household, no-parent household, they're missing that. And that's why we believe so heavily in mentorship in all our programs. We know that 80% of Christians say that they trusted Christ before the age of 18. And the thing is that after 18, it drops to 20% who will give their lives over to Christ. So we have a little window, you know, in their teen years, we have an urgency where we focus our evangelism efforts to reach the youth in our city. So what is it that we hope to accomplish? Well, our goal is to keep expanding our aftercare and mentoring programs to high-risk and at-risk youth Right now, we're happy to say that we serve over 7,800 youth in 45 programs in 20 different locations in this city. We currently have nine Campus Life Clubs, we're hoping to be in 25 schools by 2020, which is just around the corner. We have three existing City Life kick sites in under-resourced neighborhoods, and we would like to add one more site. We have developed a life skills and mentoring program for youth that have come in contact with the juvenile system, and we want to expand our programs in juvenile residential facilities from four to seven sites. By 2020, we are hoping to have trained 100 church youth leaders to reach youth outside the church walls through the Miley training program. And we're currently seeking to find a permanent home where we can strengthen our existing Catalyst hip-hop program. I know it sounds like we have big dreams, what we do. We have really big dreams for our ministry, but we serve a big God and with him, anything is possible. And we know that he has a heart for the youth in our city. He wants them to know that he loves them. He wants a relationship with them. He desires that greatly and so do we. So I really hope that as you hear the stories this evening, that you'll hear our hearts and you'll hear our passion for these kids and that we want them to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And we hope more than anything else that you're going to want to join us on this journey. Thank you so much.
3: Good evening, everyone. My name is Kevin Sanchez. Um, I am part of Catalyst Hip Hop. And there's a misconception and a myth that God cannot use hip hop to impact a culture for himself. And I am living proof that God can do all things through whom he pleases. And so I was 15 years old into graffiti and into break dancing. And a friend invited me to a place called Catalyst Hip Hop. And so I came in see graffiti all over the place, DJs, um, I mean, just hip-hop, you know, really like a culture that I was not ever exposed to. And so then there was a guy, my friend Joe Stigale. He stood up and preached the gospel. And my last um, memory that I have of that first night there was me looking over my shoulder and seeing a man preach the gospel to a bunch of people that had no idea what he was about to drop. And so that is the truth, that God can use anyone to reach an unreached culture. And so I'm here today because Catalyst Hip Hop has been around since 2001 and has impacted youth since then. I gave my life to Christ and got involved in about 2005. And since then, I've been reaching youth. And shortly after that, I came on staff and come to realize that God had a new vision for us to now reach youth in schools. And so here we are, three staff, four volunteers um, at Miami Springs Middle School next year we're going to be going into Miami Springs High School so we'll be needing to double our staff and volunteers and so that is our need you know. And, and, and as we want the gospel to be preached we also have a need and need people to get involved and so I'm glad that you guys are here, I'm glad for everyone who's listening to me on the microphone and I'm going to introduce to you My good friend, uh, Javi, he has a similar story to mine, and he definitely breaks this myth into pieces. Javier.
0: I'm not used to having a mic in my hand, but, uh, (laughs) um, hi guys, I'm Javier. Um, Growing up was always something, I didn't have a bad childhood, but it was always rough. You know, I grew up Catholic. Um, Parents always fought all the time. I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. Um, When I was seven years old, it got really rough for me. My mom left. Um, Normally the dad leaves in the relationship, but my mom's the one that left this time. Left my dad with four little kids. I was seven. The youngest was three. And I'll never forget the day that my dad spoke to me. He said, you need to be big brother. Like, I need your help. Can't do this on my own. My dad couldn't even fry an egg to cook for us, but he learned. He figured it out. And I've always had that very serious mindset. I was always very serious. You know, I grew up listening to hip hop music, which was always like that was, I guess, my outlet. Um, I used to do sports, but I was very enclosed. I guess, like an introvert, you could say. My brothers there, on the other hand, they were the extroverts. They were the crazy ones. They go out into the public. They talk to people. And I was always the older brother, but the quiet one um when 2007 came you know somebody came up to me to tell me about jesus i knew who he was this is the catholic religion they say it but i never really dove into it the family my family never dove into that and i listened and i just denied it okay yeah 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 i'm gonna do my own thing did my own thing then that same year my dad almost passed away from a stomach aneurysm and if anybody knows what that is that's when uh the artery breaks and blood just fills. He almost passed away, and that was like a, a shock for me, you know. And by God's grace, he's still here to this day. Um, fast forward to when I was 22. Somebody else tells me about Jesus. And again, I deny it. Yeah, 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 whatever. I, my vice was lust. Never did, like, my vice was never drugs, and my vice was never alcohol, it was just lust. And I think something like that has to do with the fact that I didn't grow up with a mom. And it was very rough with that. So it was, back in high school, I was never single. I always had a girlfriend like almost every week or every other week. And, you know, luckily back in when I was 22, 23, I got with a dance crew called iFlow. And they went to Catalyst a lot. And I didn't, wasn't so familiar with the areas. I was more like down south, by. Like, Cutler Ridge, Homestead. Like, that's more of my area I grew up in. And I went to Callis a couple of times to jams, and I was like, oh, this is a dope hip-hop spot. They got graffiti, they got DJs, MCs, all the B-Boys, and I didn't, didn't know how to break. I knew how to do other street dance styles, but I didn't know how to break. So, you know, luckily I went to jams and everything, and I hit a very, very, very low. Um, and it was all because of the lust. I felt, you know fornicating and doing things that I shouldn't be doing and just waking up in the middle of the night like, what am I doing with my life? I want to change. I don't need this. And I felt that. Felt that conviction. And that's the spirit. That was the Holy Spirit telling me from before, like, you need to figure it out and get it together. Kevin gets on the mic at a jam. I think this was like my fourth, fifth jam, you know. Before I used to be like, yeah, yeah I just want to break. I just want to practice. I just want to dance. And he spoke and preached the gospel. And he said it before at all the other jams. But at this particular one, I had reached that low that I felt like I had a hole in my heart, like on me, that only God can fill. When he preached the gospel, and he said about Jesus loving us, dying for us, and it resonated with me. That same night, I'll never forget the day, June 1st, 2015, I went home, I took myself off social media, I deleted my, my number, my I changed my number. I was, I just want to seek God. I want to just focus on, I need to get away from all that is trying to pull me, pull me away from Him. And that day, the next morning, I didn't even know how to pray. I was just laying there. I was like, you know what? I don't even know how to pray, but I'm going to start. And I was like, God, I know you're there. You're listening to me, and I, I need you. I'm sorry. I need your help. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your strength. The next morning, I felt a weight that no, nothing in this world could have lifted, but, but him, and he lifted that weight. You know, now I'm going to Trinity International University as well. You know, uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm double majoring in Christian ministry and in psychology. Um, I'm volunteering with Catalyst at Miami Springs Middle. You know, and it's I hope that we get more volunteers to help us next year for the high school program and even in the middle school, and it's fun. I'm not gonna lie. It's, being able to be around the kids and let them know that they have a God that loves them when they don't even know. A lot of times they're not told that in the homes and it's, you know, it hurts. And they like, say, I just want to let you know how much better this life is. That you can get away from whatever this world is trying to bring you down and just let God just heal you, strengthen you. That grace that, that we need, that, that grace is indefinite. So... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
1: <laughs> Man, that was encouraging. Whew. My name's Chris. Uh, I work with uh, You for Christ with the Campus Life program. I work um, in the North Miami area. So I work with Kevin and David and all these guys. We, I mean, the work that I just got involved in September, but the work that I've seen that we're doing is blowing me away. And, and just the impact. it's having on me as a a young man realizing that when i was these kids age i didn't have that i didn't didn't hear the gospel until i was about 17 years old never stepped foot in a christian church similar to Javi's story similar to kevin's story where i didn't i didn't know who jesus was i didn't know anything about him dying for my sins i didn't know that god wanted a relationship with me it was something that was foreign to me um so when i that first time i heard the gospel it changed my life just like with Javi, it's like it, it it transformed me in that moment where I just wanted to have Jesus. So I just want to tell you a few myths. So a few myths, and you, a lot of you have heard this before. Miami is spiritually bankrupt. It's hard to do ministry in Miami, right? Um, people don't care about God in Miami. Miami is so superficial. Um, that's not a myth, it's actually, we're, we're pretty superficial, but, <laughs> but we could get through the superficiality, right? Um, and then another one, you know, I'm talking about strengthening families. Today. Another one is um, you can't change a family. If the parents aren't Christians, then, yeah, you could transform a kid's life, but that's not going to change the family because it's, it's supposed to start with the parents, right? So all, most of you in here are raising up your kids, if you have kids, and you're, you're raising them in a, in a Christian household, right? And that's really the design that God had. But how are we going to do it if we try to transform a teen and then have that teen try to transform his family? Now, I could speak to that because I was one of those 17-year-old kids who gave my life to the Lord. And I had to go home to a family, two parents, two siblings older who didn't believe in God. And it was hard. I, 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 the, reason, the way I got saved was um, I had a friend of mine on the football team that invited me to church. First time I ever stepped in, foot in a church, like I said, heard the name of Jesus transform me, right? Um, and, and I'm thankful for that. The church was in Broward County. I lived on Miami Beach, 45 minutes away. It's kind of like uh, Tito. He drives, I don't know, what, one hour to get here for church sometimes? He lives in Daytona, or, right? No, not Daytona. My bad. Uh, What is it called? Yeah, not Daytona. Yeah, Daytona's way too north. But so, yeah, I would drive from Miami Beach to Oakland Park, Florida, Um, 45 minutes. I would go to church. Any, like, any opportunity I had to go to church, I would go three days a week, four days a week. I was at the women's meetings. That's how much I wanted God. Like, that's why... I could relate a lot to Javi. Like, I was, in, I was a 17-year-old kid in a women's meeting with middle-aged, 40-year-old, um, um, mostly black women. It was a small little black church in Oakland Park. So just imagine that, you know what I mean? Like, that's how much I just, I wanted God. Like, I was in, it was, I was in women's meeting, just hanging out, you know. They had, um, in the summers, they had um, Wednesday morning prayer. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, Sunday school, everything. You know, I just, I just had such a desire to know God. Um, so I, I did whatever it takes to know him. And in the meantime, I had to deal with my family criticizing me. You know, you're a fanatic. They would steal my tithing money, you know, my, my offering from my wallet. I had to start hiding it, you know, because they, they didn't understand this concept of why are you giving money to these people that are robbing you? They're not doing any good work. Like, why are you doing that? So they'd steal my tithing money. And, and the Lord knows, right? Um, but the cool thing is that a few years later, my dad, who was 67 at the, same, at the time, 67-year-old man, never gave his life to the Lord, always was against God calls me when I'm off to college and says, hey, I went to your church today, that little black church up in Oakland Park, 45 minutes away. And he, he went to that church on his own and, and gave his life to the Lord. And, and, I, and, and I can't take credit for that at all, right? The, the Lord did a work in me. He saw the work. And it wasn't until years later. It wasn't like I told him, hey, go this Sunday. He just went on his own, transformed his life. And, you know, he's working on my mom and my, my brother and my sister. But the fact is, is that he could do a work through a teenager, and it wasn't because I was doing anything special. It's because they saw what God did in my life. Um, and there's a similar story with one of the kids I work with at North Miami High. His name's Stephen Lee. Um, really good kid. He's same situation as me. 18-year-old kid, only Christian in his household. They criticize him. You know, why are you always going to church? You know, why are you doing this thing? And, and I get to talk to him and, and relate to him and speak to him and say, hey, keep fighting. Keep going after God because he gets discouraged. And he says, man, like, I'm the only one here who's trying to, like, live for God, and, and nobody understands. Um, but the fact is, is that God could use Stephen Lee to transform his family. He could use Stephen Lee to transform his community, and, and he is. He's reaching out to his peers. He's being a witness on his campus. He's going to graduate. He's going to go to college. He's going to get out the hood. You know, he's doing all those things um, that, that God could do through people. Um, and, and the fact is, is that, you know, Miami isn't spiritually bankrupt. Miami isn't a hard place to do ministry. These kids are open. They want to know. They want hope. You think these kids want to keep, you know, going in the cycle of drugs and, and alcohol and, and peer pressure and all this foolishness? Like, they don't want that for themselves. Like, I, I go to North Miami. I go about once a week during lunchtime. I go twice a week. But one, one of those times a week, I, I go during lunchtime, and I just meet kids. And I ask them, like, what's, what's the struggles that you guys have the most? Like, what's your biggest struggle? And almost all of them say peer pressure. So the fact is, is that these kids don't want to do what they're doing. They don't want to be hanging out and hanging out on the streets and having sex and doing all these things. It's just the pressure to do it. Um, so we need people that are going to go there and, and, and are willing to, to talk to these kids, meet them, relate with them, and they're open. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my story. That's Stephen Lee's story. And um, you'll, you'll hear another story coming up now uh, about transforming communities.
4: How you doing? My name is Ronnie. I am one of the associate directors with the Juvenile Justice Ministry. uh, Man, I get to wake up and do stuff I love. I love it. I love it. It's a challenge. It's sad sometimes, but um, I think when I step back and look at it, just just you know being a part of the staff, being a part of you know some of the change that we want to see in Miami, you know, it's definitely worth it. Um, you know we to keep the theme going, we're talking about just different things that are considered myths or considered, you know, just things that people would think about, you know, certain type of demographics of kids. People think certain neighborhoods <laughs> in Miami are just irredeemable. Like, I even, I've had, I had a, a donor one time, this is a guy, a wealthy guy, he said, you know, I don't mean to, like, you know, shoot down that area, but, you know, my buddies, when they get together and talk, they kind of would just rather wall that area up and just let those people kill each other. And then we'll redevelop it and the city will make more money. And you know, you you got people who look at certain kids and say, you know, that kid's gonna be that way, his father was that way, his community's that way. And the, the fact is communities can't change and people can change. And that starts by God using people and touching people and changing people, and then the whole gamut happens. Um, I look back at my life. You know, I get an opportunity to get up every day and go share the gospel with kids, walk kids from A to B, be involved in their life. You know, help them see a different just vision for themselves, or just picture themselves differently. See how God is intricately woven their life together and 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 touch their their life, but um, essentially what I'm doing is what somebody did for me. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up, we grew up kind of poor. Um, I say kind of poor because my cousins were, were poorer. <laughs> and, yeah, like when I was growing up, like we didn't even realize we were poor. Like we used to do stuff like, you know, we used to, uh, I lived in a trailer park, trailer that I lived in, real deal. None of the doors closed, so we'd just take, like, a rubber band and, like, wrap it around the door and, like, stick it to, like, a hook or something. That was, like, the lock, <laughs> right? I remember, like, at certain times at night, you'd be walking through the trailer and, like, the wind would hit and the, like, side door would just poof. <laughs> Like, God, please don't kill me. Right? Um... I remember one time my uncle was taking a bath in the back. It's the same uncle that ran through the house and jumped through the floor in the back of the house when he was running from the police one time. Uh, the police came through there like, where'd he go? (laughs) He was taking a bath one time and the trailer was so old the tub fell out the floor. And he just like kinda finished his bath and was like, the tub's broke. My grandfather was very sick. We all kind of packed into that trailer. My grandfather had all kind of, he had taken pills just to stay alive. Um, he couldn't get up. He used to, you know, urinate like in a jug, and I would go pour the jug out for him and kind of took care of him for, for a long part, part of time, helped him do everything. Um, my parents, you know, they were young. My mom had me when she was 16, and I was the second child, and um, she didn't graduate high school. You know, very difficult. Her parents thought that she should have an abortion. And so, um, luckily, she didn't. My story is my dad rode a bike over to her house and was like, don't have an abortion. And she stuck it out. When she had me, her parents kicked her out the house, so she moved in with my dad at the trailer park. Um, my mom my dad, I watched them fight my entire life. I'm like, I watched them say things you shouldn't say to people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I watched them break up, get back together, not know whose kid is what. And um, I remember one specific day I came home and uh, uh, there was a big fight and my mom said something. She was like, yeah, I was with that dude, so what? And my dad hauled off and hit her and she like flew to the floor. And then uh, I was like, i do really hit my mama. And then I flew to the floor. And I saw her get up, she ran into the kitchen, she grabbed the knife him like in the side she hit him so hard with the knife the knife broke and then he grabbed her slammed her on the kitchen table and it was just like it was like that for like I remember like one year until she left and I remember when she left like I felt some type of way like like because we all kind of wanted to go with her like we would sit in the bathroom while she was like she would come home we all sit in the bathroom with her while she was in the bathroom she's like y'all don't mind us smell, we're like we don't mind mom' we just should you home <laughs> you know what I'm saying and we would, like, talk about where she was going to leave and where we would go. And then she kind of left and didn't take us. And uh, my dad was the shell of himself. You know, I watched him beat my sister so bad it was blood on the wall in the bathroom. And um, I used to hate him. We started fist fighting. Around the time I was, like, eighth grade, I started fighting my dad. I, I hated him. I hated him. Hated them. If I could steal on them one time, I would steal on them. Like, I, I didn't want nothing to do with them. I started getting in trouble in high school because I didn't really care about stuff. You know, you go to school and it's like, well, y'all don't even know what it's like at the house. I don't care about none of this stuff. I was smart. School was easy, but I did most of my work in ISS. You know, I would get off the bus, get in trouble. They would just send my work <laughs> to the ISS, and I'd just do it there, maintain good grades somehow because it was just smart. Um... Then um, I remember um, really getting into it with my dad one night, and uh, we got into it. He had picked me up from a police car, and um, he didn't say nothing on the ride home. Usually, you know, I've been got knocked out already, and he didn't say nothing. We got to the house. He went to his room, closed the door, locked it. I was like, maybe you had enough. You all right? Went to sleep, woke up like 2.30 in the morning. I was getting pulled by my shirt and my neck to get out the house, he pushed me out the house uh, he took some clothes, threw my backpack he dumped it on the yard um, and then uh, he was like you know you're not my son no more I was like, "Bet, alright alright let me get the rest of my stuff then, I'm out he's like, nah, the rest of that's mine, I bought that this your stuff right here so I was like, alright, you dead to me man Grab my stuff, walked to my grandma's house, long night, got to my grandma's house Start doing whatever I want to do. I was already doing stuff I had no business doing. but at my grandma's houses. I, I live by the motto, like, what are you going to do? Whoop me? you with going whoop me, so do what I want to do. Circle of decisions started spiraling down. I remember looking up and just going like, man, I was making A's and B's. Now I'm standing in the trap house with this girl that I chose to do all these things with so my grandma kicked us out the house cause she was like I know what y'all doing in that back room and that's not gonna go down in my house so I let the girl cuss my grandma out and I was like yeah you don't understand you know my grandma was trying to holler at my after my grandfather died you know she was she didn't really want me in the house and so I was kind of bouncing from house to house I was staying um staying in essentially this dope house one mattress on the floor no furniture and um, going to school and um I remember, I remember um, just being like, man, what am I doing? And I, I wanted things to change. And I think it's me thinking about that how whole process because I hadn't went to church. We didn't grow up in church. My family not a church family whatsoever. Like maybe they might go on Easter or something like that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was Easter. We got to pull up. But, uh, my grandfather, who probably did the most for me in my life, had passed away. And I had some immature words with God. And I was just like, I don't get this. But I felt for the first time in my life when he passed away, I felt like somebody could see the totality of my sin. Like, I felt like, so I was like, this is where I be at. This is this, when you be trying to call and trying to get me home. This is where I be at. I can't hide anything. And I would pray, but I didn't know who to pray to, so I prayed pray to my grandfather. I would be like you know, did grandfather keep me safe or this, this, and that. And so I ended up getting in more trouble, ended up on probation. And while I was on probation, I had all these community service hours. I went to the same judge that locked my uncle up, Judge Sturgis. And, um, yeah, it was like he told my uncle Fisher cut bait, and then he sent him to jail. Um, I'm sitting there, got all these community service hours, and I finally decided to do them. And so I walked to this church, and I'm like, I guess they'll let me mow the grass or something. You know, mow the grass, do something. I just need to get these hours done because I want to be off probation. And the guy told me, Come in. He said, I will give you all your hours if you come to Bible study tonight. I said, You a new fool. I'm there tonight. All the hours? All of them? You, hey, you said all of them, right? I'm like, I'm finna get all these hours called my buddy up. I'm like, hey, you got to get your hours done too? We both come at the same time. Tomorrow, be back doing what we want to do. You know, I go there. He says, does anybody know what the wages of sin are? Now, not going up to church, I feel like Jesus like, bing, me the answer. I was like, the wages of sin is death. He's like, that's right. And I don't know what he was going to talk about that night, but he just started talking about his life. Hispanic man from Immokalee, Florida, no father, grew up listening to Tupac, identity crisis, not knowing what he was going to do selling drugs and how Jesus came in and radically changed his life. And he preached that Jesus to me I never heard of. I didn't understand Jesus, why I need this third-party man to get to God. He was like, because Jesus said, based on his sacrifice, no man can come to the Father except through me. You don't have words with the Father if you don't have Jesus' blood on your life. He paid the price for what you did. And I was like, man, why would Jesus do that for me? It's like, because he loves you. He wants a different life for you. So I used to come get around this guy. And I am like, he was like, he started giving me my hours by just doing little eye jobs. Told me just pull up at the church. I remember we used to do stuff like we would go get donuts. He's like, you want to get some donuts? I'm like, yeah, let's get some donuts. We'd go like to Dunkin' Donuts. And I remember... Specifically, we had the Dunkin' Donuts when the drive-thru. That's a nice-looking Hispanic guy, you know, And the drive-thru girl. she you know, She's kind of coming on to him. Yeah, yeah, I got some donuts, but I got some other stuff, too. What's going on? And he's like, uh, he goes, um, I'm good. I'm like, you good? Better get that, man. What's going on with you? If you don't want it, let me know. I, he's like, one woman for life. I'm like, like what does that mean? <laughs> A woman for life, I get around his wife, him and his, bring me around his family, I'm like you don't, y'all you don't cuss each other out, y'all don't fight, you don't, you know, he's slapping her I was like, no, I love my family, I'm like, whoa so I'm like telling this dude, like, you gotta come meet my dad can you talk to my dad I hit my dad, I'm like, hey, I got this dude from the church, you wanna talk to you? he's like, I'm good <laughs> he was good for real, that was the end of that, right, he was just he was good, but my life was changing, and uh that whole experience made me say, you know what, well, what I want to do in my life is be the advocate this man was for me to somebody else. I don't feel like I was set free for myself. I feel like I was set free for somebody else. And I meet those kids every day. And um, beautiful story just to tell you about some of the youth I work with. I, we were doing an event in one of the long-term facilities in Miami. We work with kids who are locked up. We work with kids who go to the long-term facilities. We work with kids who are coming out. We're just kind of at all the phases of trying to help a kid who's incarcerated in, in that phase. Met a kid named Deontay from Brownsville, Subs. And um, Deontay specifically was in um, different gangs, the rival gangs is the pork and beans versus Subs. and so. Sharing the gospel, he's moved, he's like, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. But, I feel like this Jesus stuff's going to get me killed, bro. You know, not having my gun on me, you know, just like being soft. It's like, it's not being soft, man, it's choosing God first, bro. Trusting God that he'll protect you, he'll provide for you, he is what you need. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Gets out. I meet him at the first place he needs to go to, which is start getting back his GD. He's doing right, he's doing good, he's on track. Three weeks into being out, he gets shot. Three shots through his leg, just missed that big artery in the back of your knee where you can bleed out. And emotionally, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I don't want nothing to do with this no more. You know, I, I sat him down because he was at one of our programs, and he just sat there with his head down, wouldn't respond, had an attitude, pulled him out. I was like, yo, what's going on, man? He's like, man, I'm just, for what? You know, I'm never going to be anything than what they call people from my neighborhood. So, and I just told him, I was like, bro, you have to fight for your life. God loves you immensely so much that he would give you an opportunity to still be here. But you got to want something different. How bad do you hate it? How bad do I hate what? How bad do you hate the life that you're living? Because if you don't hate it, you'll go back to it. Here's an opportunity to fight for everything different. If you don't fight, you can only accept what, you, what you're what you already getting. It's like, all right. He's like, I need a job. You for Christ. <laughs> we get him to the job. We get him part of the interview. He gets the job. He gets back. He's like, all right, So right. I'm starting on this path. It's like, all right. I'm getting ready to go to prom. I need some help. He's like, well, I say, what do you need? He goes, I need some shoes for prom. This girl got this, like, baby blue suede prom dress. So I'm like, you know what? Tell you what. Let's go get the prom shoes. We're riding through Hialeah right here at 49th, trying to go to, like, the Ross and the Marshalls and the different stuff. Can't find any of the shoes. I'm like, bro, this this girl's special because we done hit, like, four stores. I don't see these shoes. But, um, Ended up just wearing some black shoes. But just little little things like that, you know, being involved in somebody's life from the point that they're willing to quit, the point where they don't feel like they have any hope, the point where they feel like nothing matters, the point where they feel like things are too difficult, are the things that change kids' lives. Today, DeAndre, he has two jobs, one on the beach and one where he's trying to work for himself. Um, he hasn't been incarcerated again. Um, he's walking out his relationship with Christ. He's still an infant in that, but he's walking it out. And it's hopefully one day he'll be somebody that gives back to somebody else. And um, there's a lot of kids incarcerated. Um, I would love to see, you know, some of the people in this room and more of the people in this city actively involved and just inserting themselves in the kid's life. Makes all the difference. I wouldn't be standing here today. So that's the myth. That's the facts. That's the truth. A lot of Jesus. Thank y'all.
5: What's up, everybody? My name's David. I'm actually the uh, director for Catalyst Hip Hop. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you my story because you've heard a bunch of stories. And mine doesn't top these. So mine's is cool. Don't get, don't get it twisted. Mine's is cool, too. But it's mine. Uh, but yeah, we've been here for a while. You guys heard a bunch of awesome stories of, of God's work uh, through people and, and lives being changed. But I um, just want to do a couple little quick announcements. Uh, when you guys walked in, you should have got a flyer for uh, what's called Be the Story. Uh, this is See the Story. So we have a big banquet coming up next weekend. Not this weekend, next weekend. I believe it's the 13th and 14th. Um, you can RSVP to attend the banquet. Um really see more of what, of what Youth for Christ, Miami Youth for Christ is about and get more involved. Um, you can RSVP the numbers on the flyer. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out and the desk in the back. And uh, yeah, it's complimentary, guys. It's free. And there's a banquet happening Saturday night, 6 p.m. There's another one happening Sunday afternoon at 1. So yeah, at 1 p.m. So Whichever works best for you guys, and yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and close off with a word of prayer, and you guys are off. Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, and um, we're just humbled and in awe of of everything that you're doing within this city, God, and um, thank you for just putting together an, an awesome group and the privilege of being a part of such a great ministry. That ultimately seeks to do your will Lord um, and uh, and surrenders to it God Um, just thank you for for the work that you've done in the city and all the work that you're doing and the work that you will do in the city and uh, and we praise you for um, for everyone that you've brought together in this room that's ultimately to seek your will being done on this earth and your kingdom being done on this earth God um, to bring hope to those who are lost and that's through your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we've heard we've heard the gospel preached from three different perspectives, God, with three different stories tonight. And each and every one of us have a perspective and a story that tells that same exact gospel message, Lord. And uh, I just pray that just through this meeting tonight, um, we further that kingdom, God. Um, just stir our hearts, stir our minds, um, that we may give into what it is that we're called to do as your sons and daughters here on this earth um, and uh, we thank you God and we love you and it's because you love this first. keep us safe as we leave tonight and head back to our homes um, in Jesus name we pray